an 11 year old who what his family has I guess admitted that they kept him in a cage yes. uh, had right. autism and this happened uh, we, the story just broke last week and it happened in Orange County and and Lisa that is your home base I don't I don't know about you but when I heard that it was in Orange County it took my breath away because I sort of felt like this kind of thing shouldn't be happening in Orange or in Orange County what did you think Lisa uh, I mean anytime you hear about something like this I mean a kid being kept in a cage you're shocked and you're afraid for that family like what led them to want to use that as a solution in my entire life of working with families, I mean, 14 years working with families, uh, this is the first time I've ever heard someone caging their child. So deep sadness is number one, what I felt. Yeah, deep sadness. And Nancy, I know this really has affected you. It's, uh, you know, I've talked to you several times in the last yeah, week and yeah. it's uh, well, keeping you up. It's keeping me up and it's, it's had a profound effect on me. Um, number one, I just wanna say my heart goes out to the whole family. Uh, the whole family are victims here, in my opinion. And I know the reaction when you hear that a family has kept a child in a cage for whatever period of the day is initially, oh, how horrific. Oh, how shocking. But I deal with families every day that are forced to take extreme measures to keep their children safe, themselves safe, and their other children safe because they do not have access to the proper treatment and care and intensive behavior therapy for children that have SIB, self-injurious behavior, mm -hmm. or aggression towards others. And whether it's restraining children in gentle restraints, keeping them on a, on a tether, or in this severe situation, I think the first thing we have to do is not judge, not judge, and say what led to this situation and how we can be a solution. Now, we, I've been doing some investigation. I talked to Lieutenant Dunn, who was the arresting officer in the case yesterday. He's putting me in touch with the lieutenant, uh, the detective on the case. Um, my understanding is the parents have been charged with a felony. Um, my understanding also is that the parents were offered help through the regional center. I do have that on good authority. Uh, as to what kind of help or whether they were able to understand that, what they might need to go through, you know, perhaps it was parent training. We don't know those answers yet. Um, and my concern is that if the child is in foster care, we at ACT Today may not ever be able to cut through that red tape to give him a grant for intensive behavioral support to stop these uh, aggressive and self-injurious behaviors. Okay, well, Lisa, talk to us a little bit because, you know, and I shared with Nancy, that's a pretty controversial uh, thing that she just said in terms of the whole family being victims. I'd love to hear from you because uh, you work extensively with families too. What, what's, your, what's your take on this? Well, number one, cage, caging your kids not the solution. Um, you know, I would hope that anyone who's having issues today um, that we could maybe, you know, nip the issue in the bud before we look at that as an option. Um, and Nancy, one of the things I've noticed for families since the new California insurance law, and now that law is available, I think 36 or 37 states, um, some families have tremendous issues with co-pays. 
And even though co-pays should be covered through other means like regional center here in the state of California or early start in other states, it's not always offered, nor is it the case that it's available. So again, I know for a lot of my families that we serve that, that have issues without having unlimited income that those co-pays for each visit are not something they can afford. So that I don't, again, like you said, no judging. I can't judge until the facts of the case come out. Um, I just know that cages are not the solution in an intensive uh, behavioral treatment, medical treatment, and also, you know, getting parent training in there is really the best tools we have to address aggression. And I, I totally agree with that, Lisa. I'm not saying caging is a solution. Please don't get oh, me wrong. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I'm I, just saying we don't know all the. <laughs> yeah, we we don't know all the facts here. And Lisa, um, in our last grant cycle, we gave 41 military families the funds for copays because they could not afford it and they were faced going into collection and possible dishonorable discharge from the military had we not stepped in to give them the copays. Yeah. This is a huge problem. You're right. But where do they go? I think what we have to say here is that it takes Herculean efforts on the part of a family to get the proper treatment and care. I mean, I was a television executive. I thought I had connections. My son get, didn't get proper treatment until he was five. So if that happened to me, imagine the the family that is number one, an immigrant possibly that doesn't speak the language, uh, has other children, has very limited means, very limited resources. These are not the moms that can stay up all night on the internet and check out Act Today and TACA. I'm sorry, they're just not. They're in crisis. And we've got to find a way to reach those families. And I think we're all in agreement about that. And and Lisa, I would love to take a couple of minutes and have you explain to families, because I think families... Until you don't, until you know, you don't know what's available. So take just a couple of minutes, Lisa, and, and imagine you're talking to a family who's tuned in for the first time. What services are available to them if they'll just speak up and ask? Yeah, and literally in every state in the United States, there is early start or a regional center, which is supposed to properly assess the child, help diagnose, and then define the appropriate treatment tools. We know often that that gets broken down, either they're delayed or the assessment's not exactly accurate or the delivery of the services aren't exactly helpful. Um, the services should be intensive behavioral therapy uh, that's delivered one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, to the individual uh, living with autism. And parents should be offered that at no charge to their family. That is something that should occur and that should also come with parent training. But the most important component here uh, to me is behavior is communication. And if 40% of our kids are nonverbal or preverbal, I'm very hopeful, um, perhaps there's other issues that at play. And, and that's one thing I want to address is the medical side. Absolutely. Talk to us a little bit about what, because I don't think enough families know what is available to them on the medical side. I think they're, yeah. they're told there's only behavioral services and that's all there is to help their kids. So talk to them, Lisa, about what is available medically. Well, Nancy, you and I've talked about this a million times and Shannon too. I mean, literally, you know, you go to the pediatrician and you'll describe a symptom and they'll say, oh, that's autism. 
Well, what we're finding is children with autism have other things going on, comorbid issues that come with autism. And uh, some of the symptoms that we see in kids who have aggression, even if it's fleeting where it comes and it goes, or it's constant, there's almost always a medical root underlying. Um, seizures are common. Migraines are common. Uh, gastrointestinal distress and other issues are very common. And there are two scenarios I wanted to share uh, with you. Um, two, uh, two really beautiful, wonderful kids that just happened to be diagnosed with autism went from being yummy and fabulous and learning to aggressive injurious to themselves and to everyone around them overnight. And that should trigger something. Now, there's two types of aggression, that prolonged aggression that's been there since the diagnosis, and then overnight aggression. In these two cases, um, and I hear this all the time, and I'm sure, Nancy, you could chime in, uh, one kid had an uh, overabundance of strep uh, through an infection that was throughout their body, in their blood, and in their uh, culture on their throat. Uh, and they couldn't communicate how they felt and what was going on. And so it took the parent extreme sleuthing and um, figuring out what happened to their wonderfully behaving child with autism overnight. And then the second case, there was a child with autism, uh, nonverbal, preverbal, uh, age 16, got extremely aggressive overnight. And it turned out uh, he had an abscess tooth and couldn't explain. Uh, to the family what was happening, both extremely heartbreaking situations. But had they listened to the pediatrician early on and said, that's just autism, and not look further, they would have been heartbreaking long-term for those families.